Welcome to the Science of Psychotherapy podcast with your hosts, Richard Hill and Matthew Darlitz. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. My name is Matthew Darlitz and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of the Science of Psychotherapy. And as always, I'm here with Managing Editor Richard Hill. Hello, Matt. Lovely to see you. Hello, everybody. It's uh, it's really great to be uh, back on the in the airwaves where we're getting a bit more <laughs> enthusiastic about it again. But I'm loving this one because uh, here's a great mate that I haven't been able to see for a long time because of some wretched disease. And uh, we're going to talk about him and the disease, which that's, is fantastic. <laughs> that's right. So um, good friend, Dr. John Arden. If you've followed us for any length of time, you'll you'll know Dr. John Arden. He's written a multitude of books. Actually, uh, we're, we're giving away a few of his books right now. So I, I'll leave some links in the show notes. Um, oh, yeah, so you cool. can get on to that. Um, but John actually wanted to talk to us about uh, long COVID and the lingering effects of uh, COVID, uh, which we thought, yes, absolutely, because they have mental health implications. Oh, yeah, this is such an important subject. Uh, there's, there's there's so much um, focus on the, on the disease now, you know, doing it, which is really important. Hmm. But now we're starting to see that this thing has got ongoing effects that therapists particularly are going to be dealing with potentially for years uh, in advance. Yeah, so so very important topic. Now, we'll uh, this. So, if you're listening to this on uh, uh, as a podcast uh, on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, this will be a edited version of our longer conversation. If you want to catch the longer conversation, which is a video, and John's got some slides to show us, then we'll leave a link in the show notes where you can um, jump across to our academy to catch that. Yeah, and that'll be uh, that's a good hour or so, and uh, and you know if you watch the video, and uh, we'll also give you a continuing education uh, point certificate for that because it's uh, it's really valuable and important learning. Fantastic. Okay, let's uh, go across to America and talk to John. We want to make sense of uh, why this is happening and these so-called ACE two receptors uh, that have uh, that are all over the place. By the way, they're not just necessarily in our respiratory. Uh, uh, network, but also um, throughout various organs, you know, uh, within our cardiovascular system, kidneys and intestines and, and so on. And um, I think that's important, John, just to highlight there that we, we we're we focusing on the, the olfactory stuff because that's where the transmission and the movement goes. And people are forgetting that these this virus is residing uh, and uh, and affecting uh, organs, and it's not necessarily that's where the transmission comes from, but that's that's going on at the same time. So that's a really good point, to, an important point to bring up. So, so essentially, what you said was, and and and, and the truth, this is an all body phenomenon, but. Uh, uh, contracted uh, initially through uh, respiratory uh, networks and, and so on. And, and interestingly for us, uh, when we talk about mental health, uh, the olfactory bulbs, I don't know if either of you has, has ever uh, held a brain and looked at where the olfactory bulbs uh, uh, sit. No, they're right on top of the amygdala and the hippocampus. Right. Really interesting. And you've all experienced this. Everybody's experienced this. You're walking down, uh, let's say, the sidewalk. And, and for me, for example, I might find, I might um, smell honeysuckle. It's a, it's a, a, a flower out of a particular mm-hmm. vomit. 
And immediately, I think, uh, I get this really incredible memory about being five around a honeysuckle vine uh, and catching bees in Southern California where I grew up. And, uh, well, interesting that, boom, I have that incredible memory right away, in part because of this olfactory sensation. Now, uh, well, it turns out that, uh, as I said, the olfactory bulbs are sitting on top of the amygdala and the hippocampus, big part of both the implicit and explicit memory system. And that's going to play a big role in what we're going to be talking about, especially with regard to uh, the hippocampus and uh, damage there and the progression towards neurogenitive diseases such as Alzheimer's. By the way, uh, just as a preview, there have been some uh, really very, very alarming articles in these Alzheimer's journals about COVID. Mm-hmm. In other words, you want to progress towards Alzheimer's really quickly, get on the fast track, we'll get COVID in a bad way. Uh, okay. So anyway, there's this downregulation of uh, various uh, systems uh, that then produce uh, what we've talked about before when the three of us have gotten together, and that is the, uh, uh, the release of these pro-inflammatory cytokines. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so initially, you know, uh, what happens when somebody gets COVID uh, in general is they get what is called the cytokine storm. In other words, they get this incredible blast of, of inflammation and, uh, you know, much beyond what it feels like when you've got the flu. But everybody knows what it's like when you get the flu or high fever. You just don't feel like doing much. You're tired. You don't feel like connecting with anybody. You can't think and all that. Well, the cytokine storm is that, basically, mm-hmm. big time. Yep. And so... Uh, What you then find is there are all sorts of difficulties uh, with your cardiovascular system and uh, your your ability to actually even form uh, coherent thoughts. And interestingly, you know, we were joking earlier about our gray hair and, you know, Matt's the only one with uh, dark hair on top, but he's got a little gray hair in his his beard there Uh, that, uh, well, you know, we're a little bit more vulnerable uh, than others uh, because of our relative age. You know, I'm the oldest guy here. What am I, 94, 95, something like that? I can't. I'm 93, I think. (laughs) (laughs) And so you've seen all the data all over the place because generally speaking, people that are advancing in age are more susceptible. Well, there are a bunch of other people that we're going to be talking about that are more susceptible too. Uh, But with Delta, and the Delta Plus and the Lambia, which we could talk about as well. These are a whole bunch of more variants coming out. You know, evolution uh, always uh, um, uh, progresses. In other words, viruses evolve over a period of time. And if we don't, everybody get herd immunity, which is an impossibility, then the virus is going to continue to evolve. And that means that there's going to be people, there are going to be people that uh, are going to be more susceptible uh, to it than, than others. And yeah. they include people with these uh, various, uh, uh, you can even call them lifestyle diseases in some, uh, some uh, instances like uh, hypertension, you know, people that are just aren't keeping, ma- managing their, their blood pressure, diabetes type two, uh, and uh, 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 
uh, people with extra fat cells. We've talked about that before because that cre- creates a, a chronic inflammatory process. And, and people with autoimmune disorders uh, as well that are increasingly um, uh, uh, prone to chronic inflammatory processes, which makes them more uh, vulnerable to COVID. Yeah, just want to just want to highlight sir. there, John, as, yeah. as you're going, which is great because this is something that Susie brought up as well. Uh, the the uh, issue with the vascular architecture, the the effects that it has on 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 vascular structure and flow. Now, in the brain, of course, this is this is uh, uh, you know very concerning, but of course, concerning right throughout the right throughout the whole whole body and. Uh, one of the issues to bring in here is um, the um, the because the, there's a lot of effects of this thing that are seen on the skin. There's, um, mm-hmm. there's coloration changes. There's rashes. There's there's a whole variety of uh, of influences having, happening there, and that's talking about that's really expressing this vascular uh, vascular change and vascular uh, circulation mm-hmm. change. So if you're seeing it on your skin. Um, then, then it's happening. That the skin is telling us that it's happening within. So uh, when people sort of say, "Well, how do I know if I'm, you know, got this problem in my brain?" Well, looking at your skin is one of the ways in which you can get some indicator of uh, of how serious the issue is. Hmm. Exactly, and you said a whole body. And uh, let, let's face it, the, our, our skin. Uh, is the largest organ in our entire body. Why wouldn't it be reflected there? Interestingly, I saw two or three articles this morning uh, come up in these uh, you know, health feeds and everything that I, I get on my iPad uh, about discoloration or uh, symptoms reflected in your toes, the skin on your toes. Yeah, wow. Really interesting. But anyway, to highlight what you just said, Richard, about this whole body kind of experience, look at all these um, um, well, you could just say multiple whole body type of uh, symptoms that you see all over the place. You you see GI problems, you know, with um, nausea and vomiting and, you know, not as prevalent as you you see with fatigue and coughing and headaches and, and all that, but nevertheless in there. Uh, you know, when I had the uh, second dose of Moderna, these incredible vaccines, these mRNA vaccines that I'm hoping both of you have had, um, uh, we, we get side effects. And Moderna has a little bit greater side effect, side effect range than um, uh, the Pfizer one. Uh, but uh, my side effect from the second shot uh, was very GI oriented. I remember waking up in the middle of the night. I felt like, you know, oh God, do I have to go to the bathroom and vomit? No, I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to try to sleep through this uh, here. And of course, you know, when you get a vaccine, you get a, you know, a, a reaction that's similar to the actual virus. Uh, so you can see this um, uh, effect all over the place with uh, not only uh, the nausea, the vomiting, but uh, you know, sore throat uh, and um, various respiratory uh, issues and, and everything else. And you see some of these with the long COVID uh, patients that we're going to get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, to go on with this whole body kind of uh, uh, viewpoint, perspective that 
uh, we're talking about here. Uh, the major organs uh, in the body, the heart, and we, you've seen a lot of um, uh, cardiovascular information come out, um, you know, abnormalities in the heart, heart vessels, and, and so on. Lungs, certainly, uh, and pneumonia. Uh, and we're going to focus a little bit more on the brain uh, because we're um, mental health practitioners. But, you know, when the heart... <laughs> has problems, the brain has problems. The, your capacity to think has problems. When your lungs have problems, your brain has problems. You know, everything's connected here. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, you mentioned uh, that uh, this cardiovascular uh, uh, abnormality uh, is really a, a dominant theme here. So we could see blood clumps uh, develop, uh, you know, and the propensity to develop uh, uh, strokes. Uh, and not only, you know, in, in arteries and all that, but these little bitty blood vessels that we call capillaries. Um, and uh, there what you have is a, a major problems in all organs because even your little fingertips have little capillaries feeding those fingertips because when you even get a, a paper cut, you could see, you know, blood come out, so to speak. That's because of the little capillaries. But you've got thousands and thousands of little capillaries in your brain. Now, think of that <laughs> because of major uh, difficulties down the line. And, and just quickly jumping in there, John, because the, one of the issues we've had uh, is the uh, the particular vaccine that we're using here a lot is uh, called AstraZeneca, which is a, uh, not a not an mRNA. Uh, star. We're, we're a bit late, long story there in the politics of, of that coming late. But one of its issues is um, they've been talking about it being blood clotting problems caused by the AstraZeneca. And it's really important what you that you just remind us there that actually this blood clotting problem is in the COVID. Now, the AstraZeneca obviously is having some kind of exacerbating effect and in certain, in certain people. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, so everyone's worried about, so worried about the, the the vaccination. Whereas actually, we've got this problem anyway. If you get the disease, so uh, that's really important to to to, to say. Uh, blood clots are not either or. Blood clots are, are, are both and. Yeah, exactly. Very good point because that that's not a reason not to get vaccinated. <laughs> because I'd rather get AstraZeneca any day than get COVID. Yeah, <laughs> without doubt. Uh, and risk the potential blood clot. But because, as you, you just uh, stressed, uh, you could get big, bad blood clots later on if you get the virus itself. Um, and so you're getting a little tiny version of the virus through these vaccines, uh, which helps your, you know, your antibodies develop and to fight off uh, future exposures. But I wanted to highlight a couple uh, systems here that... Uh, uh, will come up uh, time and time again, uh, not only when we talk about COVID and long COVID, but in general, uh, mental health. And uh, I've been spending a fair amount of time um, uh, focusing on energy development and our metabolism uh, as it relates to mental health and how everything <laughs> begins with energy. I mean, you're, if you kill your ATP or your capacity to generate ATP in your cells through these mitochondria, you're dead. That's called death. Uh, and a lot of people uh, who are ill are, are only keeping their 
they're low-functioning mitochondria alive. So in other words, they're, they're like brownouts. They, they just don't have enough energy and so on. And we can see uh, that um, with COVID, uh, these uh, uh, metabolism uh, factors are adversely affected. So in other words, we have mitochondria dysfunction. In other words, your capacity to generate energy goes down. And that means cells are going to die. Because when you have mitochondria dysfunction, you get cell death. And in fact, just to give a little commercial uh, to one of the, the podcasts that you guys put out, I haven't heard yet. I'd really like to hear. I, I believe that you had somebody on um, that uh, talked about um, metabolism uh, uh, maybe two months ago or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. We've had a couple on. Uh, we're, we're really trying to, to highlight this this importance of the of the overall uh, overall flow. But yeah, and we've had a, a, one of our good friends from Australia, Maria. Very good, Maria. Yeah. Very good. Mm. Um, and so we also have this this wide spectrum of um, adverse um, uh, immune system responses. Because remember, when you get this virus, your immune system goes crazy. That's why the cytokine storm, meaning your body's in super alarm uh uh, uh, form. And uh, the first response is always inflammation. Unfortunately, with COVID and long COVID, it doesn't just stop. And especially with the long COVID. So these two factors are going to play uh, a, a major role in long COVID that we'll soon talk about. So in other words, your metabolism gets all screwed up and your immune system gets all screwed up. And as a result, you just don't have as much energy and organ systems are starting to fail and, and not uh, function right. So you're, you get cognitive fog and all the symptoms that including depression and anxiety and so on, uh, that, uh, are, uh, the, uh, the symptoms, uh, of course, the psychological experiences that we try to uh, deal with in mental health. Yes, this this tiredness thing is really something that shouldn't be underestimated. I had somebody, interestingly, they were they were talking to me about um, utilizing uh, uh, marijuana as a, a, on a recreational basis. That they hadn't done it before, and. And they had this anxiety coming up, and uh, you know what was all that about? And I was wasn't difficult to explain to him that what it does is it slows all your systems down. It's it's a lovely relaxant, but when your systems are slowed down, what it is is you have this innate implicit sense that you are less capable of managing um, managing the potential threats of the future. So when you're tired. That is just a, certainly depression comes from it, and that's another thing. But it's just absolutely uh, evolutionarily normal for your your anxiousness, your your upregulation. You're trying to upregulate and re-energize yourself to cope with the potential saber-tooth tiger jumping out from behind a rock. So we're getting into these these deeply um, uh, set uh, genetic and, and biological, functional, evolutionary bases that uh, being impacted simply by having an uncontrollable tiredness it's very important mm. can, can, sorry joe can i just jump sure, in no. and, and i i might be jumping a, ahead here um sure, no but if if you're if you've overcome the virus so it's not no longer replicating in your body 
On how do the ongoing effects continue to happen? Is there some damage that's been done that continues to perpetuate without an active virus in your system? I might not have articulated that very well. Oh, okay. So let, let me see if I understand the question. And, and I've got to um, um, highlight the fact that I'm certainly no uh, epidemiologist or, or a virus uh, yeah, expert, yeah. but my general understanding, uh, having bathed in this literature for the last year, <laughs> sitting around being grounded, yeah. Uh, uh, so to speak, um, is that what, what you you differentiated two groups, it seemed. And, and I don't think that the, the groups are that clearly different. But nevertheless, let's say the people that had COVID and recovered, are you going to have these symptoms later on? So let, let's assume that there is a, re, uh, a complete recovery. And, and I, I would think that most probably there is. There's millions and millions of people that have had COVID that are doing generally okay. But there's this other group that we want to pay attention to that aren't. And that's the group that we call the long haulers or the uh, long COVID uh, or, or whatever. And so uh, I, I think there's a gray area in between. Uh, but nevertheless, we're going to try to differentiate these two, two groups, the people that have had it. Uh, and they're doing OK now. And in fact, you know, I might have even had it. You know, when I flew back uh, from Australia, as I was mentioning, I went through these American airports and, you know, we had Trump as the president at the time. I mean, what a disaster. Uh, Another virus. Uh, but, but uh, you know, people were walking around without masks and everything else. And I came home, you know, I didn't know if it was jet lag or what, but I was, you know, not feeling so good. I had even GI symptoms and all that. But later I had the vaccine. Now, did I have, have COVID or not? I don't know. I was out hiking in the mountains uh, within weeks because that's what I do on a regular basis because I live up here. Uh, but... Initially, when I got home, I wasn't, I, you know, to get to the mailbox, it's a mile and a half loop and a 500 uh, foot drop in elevation, all that. I wasn't feeling, I do that every day, but I couldn't do that when I first got back. Yeah. Now, yeah. did I recover? I'm assuming I did. <laughs> hmm. And then I had the two vaccines uh, afterwards. Uh, but when I got the second one, I, I felt like I had like a mild COVID again. And I certainly didn't go to get the mail then because that's a mile and a half loop and 500 feet mm-hmm. elevation change, all that kind of stuff. So uh, let's assume that there are these two groups. And what we're going to be talking about and what we're uh, focusing on uh, here today is the long COVID group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because those are the people that that uh, I think are going to deserve mental health care from us. And we need to know mm-hmm. more about it. Matt, you were yeah. about ready to say something. I Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, so so the long COVID group, for whatever reason, um, and we might not know the mechanisms, but there is still the the virus is hanging on. Exactly. Uh, possibly, yeah. Okay. And and we we think we know some of why it's hanging mm-hmm. on, yeah. okay. and that's what yeah. I'm trying to illustrate with metabolism, with the immune system, with the uh, abnormal elevation of these uh, inflammatory uh, messaging uh, proteins, the pro-inflammatory cytokines, yeah. and yeah. the oxidative stress that that results from these malfunctioning mitochondria. You know about free radicals. You know, there's a more technical term, ROS, uh, yep. reactive oxygen 
species, yeah. but you can just say free radicals. Well, free radicals are okay at mild levels. You can get rid of bad cells that way. Your, your immune system works okay at mm. mild little levels, but you don't want them, <clears throat> your mitochondria, uh, to spit out high levels of these superoxide uh, free radicals because you damage not only the cell that the mitochondria inhabits, but even the mitochondria themselves, as as uh, right. you um, covered in your previous webcast. So what you have here is a combination of a number of factors. You have this pro-inflammatory cytokine kind of tail, not the cytokine storm anymore, because that's when you really have it. But now you've got this chronic inflammatory process. You've got this oxidative stress process going on. And then you get this excitotoxicity, which, you know, relates to uh, these, you know, there are two major neurotransmitters in the brain and the rest are a bunch of uh, other players. Uh, so glutamate and GABA, glutamate activation, you know, it's like the, uh, the gas pedal on the brakes. And too much glutamate, uh, you get excitotoxicity. You know, like eating MSG at, at a restaurant, you didn't know if you had it and you get a headache and all that. Yeah. So, wow, you got these, uh, I'm just pointing out three, I'm not saying that they're the only ones here, but inflame, inflammation, uh, uh, free radical oxidative damage, and, and excitotoxicity all going on throughout your body. Yeah, yeah. And so what if you've got other problems to boot? Uh, you know, let's say you've got some difficulty in your cardiovascular system. Then you've got some uh, difficulty uh, because you're carrying extra weight around. In the United States, we've got this other pandemic that people don't like to talk about, and that is obesity. Uh, we're number two in the world. Uh, three quarters of the population are overweight here. Uh, and basically what you find is shrinking areas of the brain as a result of growing extra fat cells. Well, boo, what if you get the virus and you've got extra fat cells? Uh-oh, so, bad yeah. Problem. So one of the one of the statistics that I, I've I've seen is this extremely high correlation with obesity, and um, the intensity you know of, of um, suffering from the the virus, and uh, and and possibly a link there with um, you know lack of vitamin D to help your immune system fight the virus, um, exactly. because it gets it gets absorbed by the fat cells rather than being um, activated. Uh, uh, well, so, so yeah, obesity very uh, a very big problem. And, and this is one of the things too with, with homeostasis or that that attempt to you know to return to some sort of um, solid framework or, or balanced framework. It's contextual. Mm. Uh, so returning to homeostasis when you're uh, got constant inflammation based on something like adipose tissue or uh, some other heart disease is different from the returning to homeostasis. When you actually have a foundation of, of of good health, so that means that the allostatic process, which um, you know we talk about in the book, and I know you appreciate that, and you've talked about it too, the so the activity process, the process of activity that requires us to find um, that 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 healthy healthy balance becomes overactivated, uh, or or is increasingly increased in its activation, and that. Um, you know that excitotoxicity and all that sort of stuff that you've just talked about, John, is um, is something that uh, uh, you know if you it, it's just sort of if, you, if 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 there's an earthquake and you're trying to find balance, 
it's very different than if the ground is is still and you try to find balance. That's just a, a very simple um, analogy. Right, and, and uh, so you, you mentioned allostasis and, and Peter Sterling, who coined the term uh, back in the late 80s and uh, has a couple really interesting books out there uh, right now that I highly recommend. It. One particularly is called What is Health? It's kind of a dense read, but it's really a fantastic book. Uh, but uh, what he uh, has been uh, talking about, what many stress researchers are talking about, of course, the word stress is sort of passe, but is allostatic load. So there's allostasis, which is like durability and, and all that, uh, bouncing back and resiliency and all that. But allostatic load is you just can't recuperate you too much. You're breaking down and, and so on. And these include all these factors that we're illustrating here in this particular slide. Uh, not only the fat cells, cardiovascular problems, but the also the reactive oxygen species in big way, you know, um, meaning, you know, major free radical damage, superoxide and all that. And also your, your gut bacteria, the microbiome. And so now you're eating a bunch of junk. Uh, let's say you're down in Australia eating fish and chips. Uh-oh, not so good. I mean, you know, once in a while, not a bad problem. But if that's your regular diet, not so good. Uh, and, you know, but worse here, by the way. <laughs> you know, right. uh, and so you're eating a lot of simple carbohydrates and, you know, high fructose corn syrup and all that. Man, your microbiome goes out the window. You're you're uh, increasing the amount of a of a gut bacteria called firmicutes at the expense of bacteriates, which is more inflammatory. And then you throw on some lipopolysaccharide, meaning saturated fat, maybe some high fructose corn syrup, and you got leaky gut syndrome. And so that, what does that mean? Inflammation. Oh, oh God, now you're doing it to yourself. You got the virus that got you started there. You're, you're doing, and you're not exercising. Man, you could really accelerate this process to debilitate yourself. And if you're aging, well, we all are, there's this inflammaging process. And that's why I have at the top here, really cute term, you could say. Uh, and one of the problems that we know uh, that is a common denominator with inflammaging is all the factors I just mentioned and our tendency to not be able to deal with inflammation as we age. So, whoa, that's why we have so many people that are older that are having difficulty with this virus and, and other other diseases. And just to say that, that gut biota stuff is, uh, you cover it really well and clearly in your book, Mind, Brain, Gene. So uh, for people who mm. got it or haven't mm. got it, that's a good place you can uh, you can catch up on all those fancy words that you had there. It's a ter terribly <laughs> important topic. Uh, we're actually working on a documentary on the microbiome right now. So we're, Oh, great. Yeah. Great. Very good. And so multiple other factors seem to be at play here. And, and some people are suggesting in various medical journals that, you know, COVID might be acting like some of the viruses that you just don't get rid of, like the herpes simplex virus and, and so on. But um, nevertheless, what we're talking about is the common denominator is, a, uh, is an immune system that's, that's on hyper alert because there's a problem here and you can't turn it off. And uh, there is almost a autoimmune attack that's, uh, that's occurring. Now your immune system is not working for you. It's working against you. So let's now transition into mental health. And so there were some uh, studies uh, 
big, big population studies, uh, you know, all over the, the world, actually. You know, uh, World Health Organization, UK, big studies, United States, and so on. And so let's just take a look at one uh, uh, that looked at uh, over 62,000 uh, uh, people. And um, uh, a lot of them uh, significantly uh, developed uh, a number of so-called psych psychiatric, I like to use the word psychological disorders, uh, including uh, 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 the, the acceleration of some of the mild cognitive impairment, MCI kind of uh, symptoms, and then later dementia. That's why the Alzheimer's journals have been uh, covering covid uh, quite a lot uh, recently. And uh, I want to talk a little bit at the very end about uh, sleep and the yeah. importance of sleep in the yeah, big in one. terms of about five healthy factors, because that's one of the symptoms that a lot of the long COVID uh, people have been experiencing, meaning they feel sleepy all the time, but they can't get good quality sleep. And we want to ensure that they're not getting a lot of this nuisance junk that we pr uh, prescribe uh, to people to get to sleep because it really is not very helpful. Uh, and so uh, what, what we find is that uh, one in every seven people uh, that uh, uh, get uh, COVID might get these neurological uh, injuries. Uh, and as we talked about initially, you know, it's all over the body, certainly in the brain. And I don't mean the viruses in the brain, but the effects are all over, the, all over including your brain. And so, you know, you affect your cardiovascular system, you, you affect your immune system, you're going to affect your, your brain in a, in a big way. Uh, and so part of the reason, of course, is, you know, they're dead tissue blocking blood vessels because blood vessels get kind of clogged up and your immune system gets turned on. You get these micro little, you know, bursts here and there. And, and, um, uh, and these autoantibodies, I mean, a pithy term, the... Uh, <laughs> for the development of, of uh, uh, these um, processes that now begin to attack you instead of the viruses, <laughs> uh, so to mm -hmm. speak, whatever virus it could be, could be COVID, but in this case it is. Uh, now you get uh, uh, autobodies or auto, uh, auto antibodies attacking your own tissues. Uh, so there are many stages to these neural COVID uh, syndromes, uh, another pithy term being bantered around in the uh, uh, healthcare literature right now uh, because there are multiple brain effects. So you initially, uh, you know, you just get want to jump in, John, just before the, these three, just to highlight that little bit in the, in the last slide there, which is really great, just talking about the microglia. Uh, and just a quick one to remind people that uh, we have this this microglysis. We have a the brain has a separate immune system, and so it responds with microglia rather than uh, than than immune cells. Um, and what people I, I think underestimate is uh, or under don't understand is that what happens with microglia is they are sort of passive, uh, passively in the brain, and there's sort of one or two or three sort of hanging around, keeping the job going. But when there are these inflammatory messages and molecules that come in because of that, they massively increase. Uh, and they can massively increase, uh, you know, 15 to 100 fold within a, a, a space of minutes. 
and suddenly they're, they're, the microglia are out there to, to, to get rid of stuff. They're out there to fix stuff. And so there's this, this massive activity. And just as you say, what suddenly you find is that your immune system and in the brain, the microglia actually become, um, they almost attack uh, and destroy uh, a lot of issues. And we see that in various things like multiple sclerosis and a lot of other issues and, and, uh, and going down. So just wanted to highlight that, that once you've got this, this stuff coming in, you're activating a system that is, that is organized around getting rid of stuff that possibly is not what it's like. And we know what it's like when you have a, a fire somewhere and you've got the ambulances and the fire engines and the police guys and the things and the black. Suddenly there's a bit of collateral damage. And that's what goes. Very good. I'm glad you glad you mentioned the microglial uh, because, um, uh, as you said, that these aren't just minor players in the brain. This is your immune system in your brain. And, and it used to be thought that these glial cells uh, were once sort of glue for your brain. That's why they're called glial cells. And there's three general categories or three general types, the microglial, the astrocytes, and the allodendroglial cells that cover, you know, your axons like uh, coating and myelin and all that. But with regard to the microglial, what I was talking about earlier, you got gut inflammation, you got leaky gut in, uh, leaky gut syndrome, and now you get a even before COVID, you could get inflammation in your brain just by messing up your gut bacteria, because the microglial are going to buy, start secreting, and they're traveling around all over the place, as you said, uh, they're going to start secreting pro-inflammatory cytokines. And so instead of working for you, they're working against you in that sense because they sense there's something wrong <laughs> here. Um, and in fact, what's wrong is your, your lifestyle. Then you get the COVID, man, you're off to the races. Mm, mm. Well, thanks, John. Yeah. So now we'll get, you get you back to these, these wonderful stages you're talking about. So, so I, I uh, uh, encountered uh, uh, this literature about the so-called neuro-COVID syndrome and in stages, which is rather interesting, you know, that initially, you know, you get the virus through the... Uh, so there you go. Uh, he's always fed. He's always amazing. He's always uh, amazing and done, does such solid and detailed and uh, yet accessible work. Yes, yes. What a clever chap. And certainly, yeah, he's uh, really delved into the science uh, over this uh, last year, I guess. Wonderful. If you want the full conversation and to be able to see the slideshow that John had, please jump across to our academy. The link will be in the show notes. And, yes, uh, and that- if, you're, if you're not a, a member of the a subscriber yet, you can access this hmm. particular video for free. For the, you know, what, we've got 30 days or something that you can view it. We'll give you a bit of time to view it. But um, So you don't have to be a member. But we want you to come in and, and you know, when you come over, have a little look at this video and have a little look at some of the other stuff we do. Fantastic. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us here on the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. Uh, it's been a pleasure as always. Yes, it has. And, uh, you know, great to talk to John, but uh, great to have something that's so informative and, uh, and, and necessary for the time. So I hope yeah. everyone enjoys it. Fantastic. Thank you, everyone, for dropping in to the Science of Psychotherapy podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. For more great science, go to thescienceofpsychotherapy.com.